Good day, and welcome to the University of Minnesota Extension podcast, CropCast. I am your host, Dave Nikolai, with the University of Minnesota Extension in field crops, and my co-host today is Dr. Seth Nave, University of Minnesota Extension soybean specialist, and our guest in the studio is uh, Dr. Vasu Sharma, and Vasu is involved with the irrigation research uh, housed over in the soil science department. And we're going to be visiting with Vasu a little bit about her background and about the irrigation program. But talking about irrigation, Seth, before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about what happened with the weather this last weekend. And Vasu, you can uh, certainly chime in as we progress here. But we actually got an answer here in terms of getting some rain finally here in the state of Minnesota. Not necessarily in all locations, but a fairly good amount in some locations. And I know in the, in the Rosemont area, uh, at the experiment station, we had between you know, an inch to an inch and a half. Um, how about some of the other areas of the state of Minnesota that you uh, have research in or are involved with? Yeah, my, um, my uh, southern side down south central Minnesota, um, uh, Wasika County, down the corner of Wasika County near Wells, uh, we had 1.2 inches down there, uh, and so I think that kind of inch-ish was fairly standard a lot of places, but, you know, the maps look like we had some areas down Rochester and southeast of there that didn't really get anything. I think some sprinkles, some spots in southwest, and then kind of west-central uh, along the border as well. And then in northwest Minnesota, they got pretty good amounts in some areas, and I think the Dakotas both um, fared really well over the weekend. So. I, in some ways, some of the worst areas probably got some rain, but I'm sure, you know, like everything, there's individual farmers uh, that got too much and, and some uh, some didn't get any, any and they probably were short going into this. So I'm sure that um, uh, it's just, it just varies so much. All these things vary so much by, uh, by geography. Well, Vasu, why don't you provide your perspective here in terms of the rainfall? You know, we've been in a drought uh, situation for a large percentage of Minnesota. Uh, so in your perspective and think about, you know, where the areas where we're doing some of the irrigation, uh, is the drought over? Are we <laughs> basically without the need of irrigation here for the rest of the year? Um, you know, that Westport and, and Becker area, but what's your sense of this amount of rain at, at this point in time? Specifically talking about central Minnesota where we irrigate, we actually did not get much rain uh, this past uh, week. We only got, at Westport site, which is in Pope County, we only got, got around four-tenths of rain. And at Becker site, we got around close to four-tenths, five-tenths of rain. So not much in terms of, you know, since it was so dry, we needed more water. So for your question, drought is not over yet. Well, it certainly seems that, it, you know, it depends upon where the rain fell, water holding capacity of the soil, in, in some of that central Minnesota area where you're doing some of the research, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, what is that some of that soil type like in terms of water holding capacity uh, in, in terms of that? Is that driving the need for irrigation? Yes. So that's the main factor we are irrigating in the central region because most of the soils there is glacial outwash. So sandy soils, coarse texture soils that cannot hold much water for a longer period of time. So when you irrigate it, just quickly goes down to the below the root zone if there is no crop up there. So water holding capacity is really low. That's why we have to irrigate for profitable crop in those areas. We need water. 
So I haven't been out in that. Um, I've been traveling the other direction, so I haven't been in any of the sands um, this summer at all. So what what does it look? What did it look like prior to the weekend? Uh, were all the uh, corners starting to burn up in these fields? How does how did the um, some of the dry land areas look that weren't weren't irrigated? I assume they were pretty tough. It it was it was really dry. The crop, uh, particularly talking about corn, we are around V seven V eight growth stage, and this is the point when you really when it is really dry, you can see the uh, the, the leaves are curling up, and you can really see the effect of drought on these areas. Particularly talking about my research plots, until V6, actually we did not irrigate. We were just irrigating when we were fertilizing. So we were putting urea and three tenths of irrigation after that in split applications. And that was enough to, in the initial, at the beginning of the, the growing season. But now we are putting around eight tenths of irrigation. And it's been the second week that we are doing that. But yeah, uh, close to V8, the dry land... Uh, fields are looking really bad. Let's just take a minute and drop back a little bit here. And uh, we didn't get a chance to ask you a little bit about your own background in terms of um, where your um, country, where you came from, your education, and how you ended up here in the great state of Minnesota. So I am originally from India. Uh, My hometown is in Punjab. It's a northern state in India. And I did my a bachelor's from Punjab Agricultural University in Agricultural Engineering. Talking about Punjab, it's called Breadbasket of India because we grow lots of wheat and rice. So I'm from there. And then for my master's, I came to United States and landed in University of Nebraska-Lincoln, where I graduated with my master's and my PhD, both in biosystems, uh, biological systems engineering. And you've been at Minnesota here what, three, four years, something like that? It's been five years. Five I, years. Yeah, I started in 2018 as an irrigation specialist here in the Soil, Water, and Climate Department right after I graduated from University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Okay, great, great. And there, you're housed currently, you have your at least your office in the Soil Science Department, is that correct? Yes, that's right. It's Soil, Water, and Climate. The department yes. is Soil, Water, and Climate, but the building is Soil Science. right. Well, at least I got the building right, so <laughs> give me some credit there. Um, in terms of um, the project and so forth, can you talk a little bit about what are your, your major emphasis in terms of research projects here um, in, in Minnesota? You've had some that are on site. You've had some on farm uh, situation. Currently, maybe just provide an overview of where you're at in terms of that. You're looking at some other things I know besides just irrigation management, but, uh, you know, soil water management as well. So you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, going back a little. So when I was in Nebraska, most of my projects were in agricultural water management. So in my uh, master's degree, I worked with cover crops water management. So we integrated cover crops into seed corn production and looked at how it impacts uh, soil water dynamics and soil water availability for the next cash crop. So that... Uh, really helped me in understanding how, you know, soil moisture sensors work, how water, agricultural water works. And then moving into my PhD, I worked with precision irrigation technology, also known as variable rate irrigation, and uh, both variable rate irrigation and variable rate fertigation. And when I moved here in in Minnesota, uh, that's what mainly I'm working on, agricultural water management. So my main role is to integrate irrigation management with nutrient management in order to look at 
both water quantity which is an issue now but mainly water quality issues so how we can improve our irrigation or water management on our farms so that we have less uh, mainly nitrogen nitrate pollution so first project in 2019 uh, that i started i call it uh, i by n which is irrigation and nitrogen interaction study so the main goal is to look at how these two major uh, crop inputs both water and nitrogen interact with each other and how they impact crop growth different crop growth parameters and also uh, pollution nitrate leaching so that's all in corn then what what is the what is the focus of that study yeah so that study uh, focused on corn uh, but now and I will talk more about it. I'm not the lead, but we are moving with this kind of same project in potatoes. So crop is not a, just because corn is grown on more acres in Minnesota, that's why we started with corn. But I think in Minnesota, the main reason of starting this kind of study was to gather some fundamental and basic data on irrigation that we don't have. So just giving, giving you an example of uh, you see nitrogen response curves. We have lots of research that's been done on nitrogen, but we don't have water response curve for any crop here in the state. We don't know what is the optimum amount of water to grow this particular crop. So that's that was one of the motivation to start this research, to look at what is that optimum amount. So to produce those production functions that are focused or based on ju not just nitrogen, but including irrigation into that equation. So, as I said, the crop is not uh, the main reason we started this research. This can be done on various crops. I, I think to back up a little bit, I think it's, you know, it's surprising to me, and I think some of the listeners might be surprised too, that there isn't, you know, I think in Minnesota where we think of it as a dryland production state and we don't have very much irrigation here. So a lot of us aren't even really familiar with what's irrigated and where. But then moreover, I think we assume that there's, you know, so much irrigation work done in Kansas and Nebraska that um, that there wouldn't be a lack of, of knowledge and understanding in these areas that it, all this work would have been done and all the scheduling and all the modeling would already be done on those large acreages where they, they produce. So um, is it simply that there isn't basic knowledge or, or is what you're doing more adapted to the Minnesota environment where we're a little bit more northerly and temperate than, than they are in those states? That, that's one. That's true. One thing is we are focusing more on Minnesota. So these production functions, as you said, they have been developed. It's not a new research. It's not like some innovation that we are doing here. It's just that we don't have something site-specific. So one of the reasons is that we are developing these site-specific production functions. And the second reason is why we don't have them here in Minnesota, because they were developed for the states which have more water scarcity problems, western states or, or Texas, whereas Minnesota, we are considered as water-abundant state, but which is now with last three years, you, you see, we, we are not there. So this kind of research is also new in Minnesota and was not needed before because of lots of water in there. There are no issues with the water uh, availability in the state. Yeah, so our water is both relatively abundant and in a lot of these areas it's relatively shallow, so it isn't expensive to pump rather yeah. cons compared to um, both regulatory con um, constraints in those other western states as well as deep water that actually 
uh, directly affects the farmer in that those pumping expenses are really expensive. So they have to, they naturally were more conservative and more um, focused on the research uh, in that regard. That's right. So that's what our research is showing right now. So another project that we did uh, concluded last year was uh, looking at precision irrigation in one of the growers' uh, field in Stearns County, where we looked at how variable rate irrigation, which is a precision irrigation management, compares with uniform irrigation. So in terms of irrigation water productivity or water use efficiency, variable rate irrigation was statistically you know, better than uniform. But when we look at the economics, it was not. So economically, because the yield was slightly, not statistically, but slightly higher than variable rate irrigation under uniform rate irrigation, the economic benefits are not there when using precision irrigation and also the cost of technology. So VRI is really expensive too. That's what I was going to ask is in, we think about traditional agriculture and the cost of some of the precision ag tools and, and so forth and where we're variable rate fertilizer, et cetera. But in, in, it transforms in, in the same th- context in irrigation. There's an, an upfront cost. There's an investment on the part of the farmer, the grower into uh, having variable rate irrigation integrated within their cropping system. Is that probably the biggest uh, situation we're running into in terms of uh, the economics and adoption? That's right. It's a, it's a big investment. Uh, if you just want to put a number around forty to $50,000, if you want to retrofit an irrigation system with variable rate irrigation. But, but the, the thing is, it makes you, the water use efficiency definitely increase when you are irrigating based on your soil type or your spatial variability in the field. And environmentally, it is very sound uh, technology. But since the water is, uh, in Minnesota, water is not something that you pay for. Yeah. But it's limited, you know, obviously. It's limited, yes. So it doesn't make any economic benefit to grower at this point. Right. But moving into, you know, as I said, moving into future with climate change, I think this is this this would be way to go. Yeah, I think the regulatory aspect could come into play here in terms of that from the DNR and other situations. So that may provide an incentive and foster more our adoption yes. uh, uh, with that in, in terms of the you know the program. I think some of your other research has been involved in is uh, soil moisture sensing. Is it not? I mean, I I go back you know to the old uh, caveman days of, of putting gypsum you know, blocks and, you know, in the ground with a, with a soil primer. But I think we're, we've moved beyond that. Is that correct? We still use gypsum blocks, but there's a newer technology. Watermark sensors are also kind of granular metrics. Sensors also gives us tension measurements. We still use those because, excuse me, <clears throat> they are uh, affordable sensors. So, but the technology has gone so far. So watermark sensors are something that if, you don't have anything and you just want to try something out, we, we recommend watermark sensors. But yes, I have lots of research going on looking at different kinds of soil moisture sensors from very standard methods using neutron probe, which is a radioactive sensor, to uh, TDRs, electromagnetic sensors, capacitance sensors. So comparing these uh, different technologies and see what is best in, in sandy soils mostly where we irrigate. Yeah, this is a, I mean, this is really fascinating to me. And I think um, both fascinating and frustrating because as a researcher, I deploy a lot of these things. And, you know, I'm always promised great things by these companies for these various tools. And 
always frustrated at how difficult they are to to deploy it in certain soil and and then difficult to interpret the results. So personally, I'm really happy that somebody like you is willing to take on this work and, and do some investigating and use the various types of sensors that are available. Um, but I do know that, you know, just broadly from my doing research is that we don't, we never do enough measurement on farm um, to adapt our production to our individual situation. So whether that's grid sampling for fertilizer applications or doing other kinds of things for variable rate of various types, either seeding rate or, or, or nutrient applications or, or other things, it seems that we have the tools available, but it's always a challenge uh, from the economics and also the management standpoint to get farmers to invest in these things because generally, like with water, it's just easier to dump on a, a flat rate across everything uh, and hope that we get um, that we get uh, additional payoff in some areas that will cover the cost for some of the areas where we put too much on. So it, it, it's interesting that your area dealing with water and then nutrient interactions are so similar to a lot of the other things uh, that we deal with in, in, in agronomy. What are some of the tools that you hope to be able to provide to Minnesota growers in terms of irrigation scheduling? Um, there's a lot of emphasis on online situations with that hooked into weather stations and, and so forth, but that's kind of parallel to some of this research. Uh, just a little bit about where we're at with that and, and what can we see coming down the road? So there are various tools for irrigation scheduling, and one of uh, the tools is online irrigation management assistant tool we have been working on. So this tool was developed in 2015 uh, through money from LCCMR uh, by Benton SWCD. So that was uh, they were the one who who started with it, but then in 2018, uh, the funding ended, and then we at University of Minnesota we again wrote a proposal and got some additional funding from LCCMR to expand this tool. So initially, the tool was just for a few counties, and now this year we expanded the tool to all counties in Minnesota. So all irrigators in the state can avail to this and add their irrigation systems in there. So basically, it uses the NRCS soil data from their website, the weather stations data, integrate everything in one place and gives you uh, the irrigation recommendation. So it's a very handy tool. It's I don't know if you know about checkbook method. It's a checkbook method, but more advanced and easy to use for growers. So that's where we are moving towards more online because that was one of the problems that growers face when they are irrigating 40, 50 fields, and at this time when you need irrigation, you are managing these many fields, you can't go to your computer and do Excel spreadsheet for each of the fields. That's so much time consuming. So this kind of online tool where you have all your fields on your in your hand on your phone and can manage irrigation and this gives you recommendation online on your phone, that's really uh, handy for growers. And that's where some of your basic research into say, for example, water use by a crop like corn, where we didn't have really good, hard data, helps because it makes that an online tool uh, more verif verified in terms of actually being reflective of what's going on in the landscape, correct? Exactly, yeah. So we, 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 we collect all this data from these research projects that goes into these kinds of tools. So all the soil moisture sensing data that we have, we compare that with the recommendations that this tool gives us. 
and try to uh, make it more balanced. So all the research data that we collect definitely goes into these tools and all the models that this tool is uh, is using, we validate those based on the field research ground truth data. Whether you're in central Minnesota or if you're in southeast Minnesota, uh, it's applicable, correct? It's, it's applicable, but mostly applicable right now for the central Minnesota because of weather stations. Weather stations are concentrated in irrigated regions, so the data that this tool uses comes from these weather stations. But moving on, as MDA is putting more effort into increasing the weather stations throughout the state, this tool will be more uh, become more accurate and will be useful for the southern states as well. At this point, you can still use it, but you might have to enter your rainfall information. One of my final questions here, Seth, and I'm going to let you jump back in, is talk a little bit about your relationship with Anna Cates and terms of soil health and soil water and some of the things you're doing there. Yeah, so with Dr. Anna Cates, uh, we have a project in collaboration with Sand County Foundation in Wisconsin, and the funding comes from EPA, where we have 15 paired sites in Minnesota and 15 paired sites in Wisconsin. Uh, and when I say paired, one of the field in the pair is soil health management system and the other one is conventional system. And we are looking at, we have soil moisture sensing uh, sensors in all of these fields and looking at how uh, moisture moves in the soil profile and what is the soil water dynamics under these two soil health systems. And then also Dr. Anna Cates, she's, uh, she's a soil health specialist. She's collecting lots of soil samples, looking at different soil health parameters. So, um, so what, uh, I assume this kind of a year would be kind of interesting for you where we had, um, especially with cover cropping. I think we had one of those years where, uh, cover crops were definitely more challenging for farmers and, and probably this year it's, it's the water was the biggest piece of this, right? So, uh, were you able to make any observations or collect any data that would, uh, give some insight and risk and benefit of of cover crops, even a, apart from the pure soil health piece, but from just the agronomic management of these crops following cover crops. I, I don't have any project directly working with cover crops, but I'm really interested in, so I'm going to do that one next year. But I'm working with, uh, at Westport site, Dr. Fabian Fernandez has his uh, cover crop plots right next to my I by N plots and I kind of manage irrigation for those plots and this year what we are seeing is where we have cover crops it's cura clover it's a living uh, green so the corn looks really really bad in those <laughs> plots so uh, we have just because of those cura clover plots we had to irrigate uh, those corn and soybean plots like many times than where we don't have the, the cover crop. So that's what I'm seeing this year. Yeah, so that, that microdynamics of the, of the water uh, very early, it, it, we have this kind of weird issue in Minnesota is that we don't, we have most of our, most of our soils have really large water holding capacities down below, but we had a, in, in most springs, we have obviously abundant rainfall. And so we have too much water most years, but we just got in this weird pinch this year where the water, the rain just kind of turned off at a time uh, at the end of our middle to end of our planting period. And we really dried out. And so we had some problems with, with uh, water availability in the very top profile. It was, there was plenty of water down below, but we just couldn't get to it early on. So, um, you know, and I think the cover crops tended to exacerbate this problem. So, 
I think um, I can see there's plenty of things for you to do. Uh, you have a, I think you have a, a lot of uh, challenges and, and problems to work on. So I think you have a whole career uh, in, in this area, uh, laid out for you. I think there's a lot of fertile ground for you. I know that a lot of people think that Minnesota isn't really an irrigation state, but I, um, water is still critically important to our crop and it's, it's, you know, one of two of the most limiting factors for us. So, uh, it's, uh, it's exciting to hear about your research. Kind of to finish out this segment, can you talk a little bit about where you want to go next in your irrigation research and maybe a little bit about some of your graduate students and the, and the program that you run? Because I know that's a, it's a big situation. You can't do it all yourself. So, so right now we are in the second year of a project uh, where we are integrating precision irrigation and precision nitrogen management at Becker. And this is in collaboration with Dr. Yushin Mayo. He's a precision egg specialist in our department. So we are trying to now, moving forward, looking at how we can integrate these management practices. So grower, when he is managing his farm, he cannot just look at irrigation separately and nitrogen management and nutrient management separately. So our next goal is to integrate these. So at this point, both nitrogen and irrigation, but moving on, maybe we can include uh, precision seeding and other you know, management practices and try to find an integrated solution for, for growers. And talking about graduate students, uh, as you said, I cannot do all of this by myself. So we uh, hire graduate students. We have great program here in our department. Uh, I have one uh, PhD student who is working on irrigation nitrogen interaction project. We have another PhD student coming this fall for our precision uh, irrigation nitrogen project from Morocco. Uh, and yeah, and there are other uh, undergrads who work with us every year for for, you know, field data collection and data analysis. Seth, I'm going to let you get the last word in here. So what, uh, what's the most exciting? It sounds like the precision piece of this is really what, um, what excites you the most. And is it, uh, for the future, looking down beyond your next projects, what, what's the most exciting technology or what's the, what's the next biggest thing or the biggest question or even environmental challenge or larger societal issue what what do you kind of think about what what are the things that are kind of ruminating in your brain late at night when you're uh, trying to go to bed yeah as you said precision irrigation is one of the most exciting thing thing that we are doing right now uh mda's uh, program rcpp that we got funding there's a 20 sw series that are partnering with mda and we got funding from uh nrcs to to give to growers, it's a cost share program where we give funding to 40 growers in the state for VRI, for variable rate irrigation upgrade. So that's really exciting that this government is putting money into these kinds of stuff and growers have the availability of, of these technologies on their hand. So that's really exciting to, to gather data from these fields and see how, how it works in Minnesota. Okay, great. And if people want more information, the University of Minnesota Extension website has a portion on it where you can go in field crops and learn a little bit more about irrigation and, you know, et cetera. Now, that, obviously, that'll be upgraded as we go along. Well, we're to the end of our program and our episode here today on University of Minnesota Extension CropCast. Uh, we'd like to really thank our guest uh, for taking the time to come in this morning, uh, Dr. Vasu Sharma from the uh, University of Minnesota Extension. And she's housed in the building of soil science, but soil, water, and climate. In terms of that, and also I'd like to thank my co-host, uh, Dr. Seth Nave, University of Minnesota Extension uh, soybean specialist, 
uh, for helping out, obviously, and doing the lion's share of the work on the on the board here today uh, with our program, uh, University of Minnesota Extension Cropcast. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you.